We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Soccer Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart, and I am excited about this show. I am stoked about all we got for you, but let's get Mike. How you doing, dude? Hey, man. I'm doing good, man. You sound like you're in a good mood. Man, you know we're ready to rock and roll, man. Bright, sunshiny day out here in sunny Southern California, eh? And so, man, we just uh, happy to be here on another podcast evening. Spring training underway for the SoCal baseball teams. We're getting closer and closer to the NFL league year. 
getting started all over again. All kinds of rumors. We got dudes hauling 107 pounds of marijuana across the border or wherever they're going. Yeah, hey, um, we're here. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> right. So, before we even get there, we do want to remind you this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hall of His Team. Also, remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five star review on Apple Music. It helps us move up the charts, it helps bring attention to the podcast. And don't forget our other show network right now, Butting Heads, Ram Sensen Centered Uncensored, is on hiatus as uh, they find themselves wherever they are. Just find themselves. Okay. Also, about those five-star reviews, we still have a contest underway where a one lucky winner will get themselves a gift card to get a jersey over at NFLShop.com, you know, throwback. Maybe you want to wait until the new jerseys come out to use it. That's fine. That's great. Just make sure that you make the magic happen and put that review in. Take a screenshot of your review. Send us an email of it over to Rams1945.com and it'll enter you into the contest. Okay? So, there you go. When we last met, I was perturbed a little bit upon reading one of the early power rankings that were coming out. This is on Touchdown Wire, USA Today. This is Doug Farrar's stuff. And, uh, you know, Doug Farrar is a pretty good football writer, but he's also got a little bit of bias to him, in my opinion. He is a Seahawks guy, has long been one. And uh, I wanted your thoughts on this. The Rams are ranked... Well, shall I say, not where we think they would be. How about that? I'm talking outside the top 10. How about, no, outside the top 20? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, outside right. the top 20. And um, Mike, right away, teams in front of them, they are ranked 20. First, just to make sure I'm reading this right. Just to make sure I'm reading this right. And yep, 21st. 21st. Right in front of them are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buckies. The Atlanta Falcons. The Steelers. The Chargers at 17. The Chargers at 17. The Bears at 16. Cardinals at 15. Dallas at 14. So the Cardinals at 15, that would tell me they think the Rams are, he thinks the Rams are going to be last place favorites to start next year, right right now, as it is. Yeah, what? looks that way. I, <laughs> what are your thoughts here? Well, you know, it's always funny because you just never know how much, how much do they really go in and really research and do all the stuff to, you know, ultimately, how do you come up with the ranking, the ranking system? Is it based on cap space? Is it based on where you were last year? Is it based on strength of schedule? Does it combine all the above? You know, does it, you know, draft round, you know, so it, it's, it's, always interesting to see how preseason rankings offseason rankings end up and where they are because they're not they're just kind of subjective based on not a lot a whole lot of information now if we had gone through now the whole offseason 
season. We know what free agents we signed or lost. Now we're in camp. You know, maybe we know somebody's banged up, not banged up, so on and so forth. And then you come out with some rankings. You know, cool. I think for me, it's just a lot, a lot of stuff to just to have some discussion points that we're having like right now. So it's just real subjective to me. And it's it's kind of laughable to think that the Rams would be in the 20s. Well, a couple things I want to point out here because I need to crow on this. There were a lot of folks who predicted the Rams would come back to the pack last year at near 9 and 7 or even not make the playoffs at lower than that. A lot of people predicted that outside of Rams football realm, you know. Um, I felt iffy, squishy, should should I say, about the Rams where they're going into the um, regular season with a young offensive line. We, you and I have covered that ad nauseum. Don't need to say it over again. But basically, in short, even though those red flags are there, I wasn't sold in the fact that this could be a 9-7 and team. I just thought there was too much talent there. Call it naive. Call it maybe having a bit too much faith in the staff that was there. Call a lot of things. But I guess I'm going to go ahead and be naive again, though, and say I'm not sure how anybody could put them at 21 right now. There's still an awful lot of talent in that nucleus, that team, even with the free agents as they are. Dante Fowler Jr. is a free agent. Whitworth's a free agent. They'll probably get him back. Uh, Brockers, who knows what's going to happen with him. Corey Littleton, Greg Zerline. They only have about, according to this article, $14.7 million cap space. That depends on where you look. Mike, I don't... I, I don't understand. I guess... His reasoning is basically you have Goff at four years, 134. And he's breaking he's breaking your back. And then Todd Gurley, what about him as Albatross? And so that's your case. The Bills will all come due. That's his point, though. His point is a strong one. All the Bills will come due for the Rams. You and I have talked about that as we've gone through this. We knew sooner or later the Rams will pay the price. Just It was just a question of when or how they're going to pay the price. And his thought process is all the bills are coming due right now for the Rams. What do you think overall in terms of the, the assessment, though, when looking at the other teams in front of them? And I just want to point a couple of things out. The Bucks are ahead at 20, and they have almost $80 million in cap space. $80 million. But the Falcons are ahead of them at 19. They were a train wreck for much of the year in an easier division. And they only have $5.2 million in cap space. The Steelers at 18 only have $1.4 in cap space, but they get Roethlisberger back. And then the Chargers just let Phillip Rivers go. They're a team with some issues. They do have cap space, though. All those factors in mind, how do you, how do you really analyze anything? At this point. Exactly. So when you. <clears throat> well when I think about it. I think of it in terms of. Team chemistry. And I think that gets left out a lot. In the sense of. How well do guys actually like each other. During the season. During the off season. So on and so forth. The idea that the Bucks Have tremendous. 
uh, amount of cap space. Okay, so you bring in three, four, five guys. Now you have to get guys more acclimated to each other. And are they going to be able to, you know, put together the team chemistry aspect of things? Yeah, you may have great talent lined up as far as statistically on paper, but a lot gets left out into whether guys just like playing with each other or is it are you in there for yourself? So that's where I think the Rams, if you just make it black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And you just go, let's just take Arizona Cardinals. And you go, okay, quarterback against quarterback. Is Kyler Murray better than Jeff Goff? You go, at some things, yes, other things, no. So that might be a wash. You know, you look at the backfield situation. Do they got a better running back than us? Probably not. We have an old line now. Played a lot of young guys last year. Now all those guys got playing experience in their back. So our O-line is going to be better this year than it was last year. Hands down. We still have the best defensive player in the in the league, and Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Do they got someone that matches up there? No. We play young guys in the secondary. They got playing experience. So when you look at it overall, are the Rams better than the Cardinals? I would say, yeah, in a lot of areas when you just go man for man and go down the list. You know, and the fact that now we we know what it's like to have been there the year before in the Super Bowl, to not have been there last year, and now you got somewhat of a monkey off your back that, you know, somewhat the expectations are still high, but they're not so ridiculously high that now we can't go accomplish some things with a good offseason. So that's where when I just start looking at these rankings, just start going down position by position each team and you figure it out like, well, yeah, they should probably be more in the top 12 based on just personnel. That's just my thoughts. And the Bears at 16 the list with 4.9 right. million in cap space and so much less in total Offense, period. Across the board, offensive line, skill position players, and they're going to have, he's at the Bears at 16. This is where I think he's lost a little bit. Cardinals at 15. They're probably in our draft away before they're really, you know, effective at anything in terms of winning long term. Well, yeah, I just, because, you know, they're still trying to implement, you know, a new system trying to now bring a new type of offense to the NFL, you know, with this whatever uh, uh, coach they have there, uh, Kingsbury, his Mm -hmm. offense. So, yeah, Kyler Murray is a perfect fit. But now can that offense be sustained in the NFL? And now you have to get those pieces to actually run the type of offense he wants to run. So, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I just don't see long-term – um, I mean, I guess I don't see long term how the Rams aren't better than many of on this list. The culture, he has the Colts as 12. The culture, 12. Andrew Luck retired, and they need a new quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. And you're going to tell me that the Colts are 12? I mean, that tells me you have no faith whatsoever in Jared Goff being able to come back next year. You know what? I don't think so. I don't think. That that's for the case. Goff, 
Goff had a rough year, but even for a rough year, he still played better than quite a few different quarterbacks out there. And give him an offensive line, let's just say you give him an offensive line and you quote-unquote label him a system quarterback, he's going to be fine. Like that's, that's been the narrative, right? He's a system quarterback, and I'll buy that, but he's a system quarterback. Let's just say he performs like a system quarterback. He's going to do, do better than a large majority of these players. They have too much talent offensively. Just protect them. Well, you know, and what we talked about a lot or a little bit is regards to look at all the changes on offense that happened last year. You know, you had a lot of moving pieces, guys in and out. Uh, but now you're talking about a guy like Cooper Cuff now having been back a whole solid year. Now with another solid offseason, he'll be back to 100% day one. You got a guy like Brandon Cooks who – you know, at least got going down the stretch, but now you got a whole offseason for him to somewhat get physically and mentally ready for the rigors of the offseason. You know, so you have all these things. Obviously, we got a wild card in Gurley, but we got two backs that are sitting right there ready to go if he's not the guy. So when I look at those kind of things and just Jared Goff now another year of experience. You know, again, the dude is still pretty young. So him also having another year experience, he's now been through the rigors of being that first round pick. He's been through the rigors of, hey, man, I didn't do well in a Super Bowl. I've been through the rigors of, man, I came up short. I didn't play to the best of my capabilities in a number of situations last year. Now I have some more film for myself. Teams have made adjustments. Now I have to just make some adjustments. That's how you get better. That's how you become what is considered a Hall of Fame player is. You take the offseason and you get better at what you did, improve on those things from the previous season, and then you just are steady. But, again, a lot of these things go into team chemistry across the board. So, now, we got some wild cards with, you know, some of the new coaches coming in, how were they gelling, but you have the main piece and Coach McVay, at least offensively, being a consistent part of everything. So, I'm kind of glad to rank that low because it just means, you know, it's going to look like we're just the smartest people out here when next year they're just putting it on everybody. Well, and they get a third place schedule next year. It's actually going to be one of the I mean, it's not easy, but given how many schedules, like over the years, go back and look at the Rams schedules from 2011 to 2018. Every year was just impossible. It was just a train wreck of a schedule for them. It never failed. They could be a 3-13 and team and somehow a one of, the, one, of the toughest, one of the toughest schedules in the league would just fall in their hands. It almost always didn't happen, though. They finally got one that was somewhat manageable last year. And this year, third place schedule that, hey, it's actually really manageable for them. It really is. I don't think the Rams are falling off the cliff that much. There's still too much talent there. They got some things to fix, don't get me wrong. And they better they better make sure they're, they are continually developing these players the way they have been, by the way. But it's there, man. It is there. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but this 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 CBA is happening. Going to seventeen games by the look of it, pretty soon. New another playoff 
more money's coming in. So our estimate on salary cap funds, that's going to come true. That is going to happen. Another game, another playoff game, too. Uh, two, it's going to be two now because there's going to be two, uh, two more teams in, so two more games on that opening weekend. I, I think that uh, the Rams got a break out of this. They really did. They're going to have money to play with, not necessarily this year, but next year. We're going to see the sour cap jump pretty bit. Pretty much. Pretty big. There we go. Pretty big. Oh, for sure. But I don't I don't know if the CBA is as done deal as it is it sounding like because you know, I don't know if the guys are gonna to want to take an extra game without being compensated for it. So I think that'll be a sticking point. They'll get it. I'm not worried. I mean they'll get it. They did that the committee vote was very close. They I mean it was it was close. So, you know, they're going to have to negotiate. So this, I, I do think that it's tilted towards the NFL right now. They're going to have to get back to the table. But honestly, any offer that comes from anybody is going to be tilted towards your side first, right? And you go back and you negotiate. Right. Right. So I think they'll get it done. I mean, I think both sides have some reason to go get it done. I'm going to mock the NFL a little bit on this, though, because we're talking about player safety, player safety, player safety, and then we're going to go add an extra game on. Okay. Right, right. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, yeah, the fact that they actually got something somewhat on the table somewhat early uh, is a good sign for everybody. Yeah, I think it's going to get done. I think they want to get it done. I think they're looking at – you know, some of the other issues in other sports and, and saying, listen, we can't let the pack come back to us. We need to stay ahead of them. So let's get it done. I think that's what's happening. So that's good for, good for the Rams. As about Jared Goff, Mike, with Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks was in, was uh, made some comments last week about how he feels like Goff is going to go turn this thing around. He's going to, you know, Go and get better. Some of the, let's say, rumors have been that he didn't really put the work in. Now, that's going around around different circles that he wasn't putting the work in. We had the sense that he wasn't putting the work in, right? I mean, we had that gut feeling that he didn't do what he needed to do in, in the offseason and into this season for film study and so on and so forth. But we've also seen him make some elite throws. His deep ball is one of the best of the game. His out passes, intermediate outs to the sideline. There aren't many people. There are, in my opinion, there is no one better in terms of touch in the game. Where you can put the base, could the <laughs> baseball pockets, really. Where you can put that football. I, I think there's a good chance that this guy comes back this year and is ready to go. Well, I think that when. You know, the thing is when you have teammates that already go to bat for you. So it's been noted that Robert Woods, Cooper Cuff, you know, even Coach McVay have already been uh, reported as backing coach. I mean, Jared Goff in regards to his playing ability. So when you got a guy like obviously Brandon Cooks, who was more or less a deep threat, you know, having been sidelined a little bit with the concussion issue uh, last season. But when he says things like, you know, uh, the quarterback is tough, you know, he stands in there and takes the licks. 
Well, they're the ones who get to see the film technically that we're not seeing on how many licks he's actually taking and are those licks he's supposed to be taking or is it because guys aren't blocking up front or missing blitz pickups and so on and so forth or even receivers maybe running wrong routes that now he has to pull it down and and those things but when you have a guy saying something like that he stands in there and takes the licks well that's telling me that's a guy who is willing to do as he said what uh needs to be done and as long as you got a guy who's willing to stand in there and and take a hit that says a lot about him and how his teammates feel about him so what i love is you know i always said that the players who know who the players are so when you got a player coming out and multiple players coming out saying the same thing on a consistent basis that to me speaks a lot more than whatever we can read or not read I don't think that Cooks has to make those statements, right? None of those guys have to say that. They're going out of their way to make those statements. That should be a really good sign of what they believe in him. They, they're with him every day. They, don't, they, could, they could just be quiet. They could say nothing. Robert Woods, could he, to me, could go right down to the front office and say, trade me. And they'll find some way for him and get a good return on him. Right. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. When you have your teammates showing showing confidence in you publicly, and they're willing to go to bat for you like that. Like you said, faith. They have they have faith in him, and that matters so much, especially in a game where you know you take a lot of heat as a quarterback, especially with the big contract. Yes, so, I mean, I like it. Good sign. Get this man some protection. Just well, protection. you make a great point, Derek, in the sense of, you know, we hear these big numbers, but I think sometimes it gets left out that all these guys are humans and they're individuals. And if you're getting a big increase in pay, no matter how much you say it, it doesn't affect you, it affects you. Because when you get a huge payment, you want to show everyone yourself, especially that you've earned it and you're worth every penny of it. And then when those things aren't going, it's going to affect you, you know, a little bit mentally. So, you know, hats off to, you know, all these guys, you know, because, I mean, you looking at, you know, now Mahomes and some of the other guys, you know, even Dak Prescott's trying to get $40 million a year. But we see it year in and year out. You know, we saw a little bit with Gurley. You finally get that big payday and there's added pressure that you put on yourself, no matter who it is, uh, to go out and perform for everyone. And so... Yeah, and everybody performs differently under added pressure. Yeah. I mean, there's maturity levels there. There is maturity levels. There's the fan base of where you're at. There's all kinds of factors to it. Now, on the same token, I don't want to make excuses for the guy either. Right, and you're getting right. paid that kind of money. You should have, you should have come ready this year. You should have been on it completely. And so Goff has to live with that. He he was not where he needed to be coming this year, especially when he's given the pay that he got. But well, it, it's so funny, Derek. And I don't want to digress, but you know, Tiff, Tiffany had as she's the up and coming, you know, maybe 
be the next kind of big star, you know, kind of bombed on a New Year's Eve thing where she's supposed to be a comedian and she just doesn't sound like she was ready uh, for what she actually supposedly gets paid for being a comedian. So you're hitting on uh, some great points in that, you know, Jared, regardless of money, no money, you have to at least come prepared. You and some of that goes back to you before. We saw signs in, 20, in 2018 that he wasn't where he needed to be. We, signs, we saw signs that he was not reading his progressions as quickly as he should. Now, we know that when a quarterback comes in the league, it's usually first read and then throw. And then you, as you get used to speed the game, you go to your second read, and, and you're eventually able to go to all the reads. He wasn't able to do that at times in what was his third year. And we've seen him do that a lot in this last year. We saw him, and man, I think the worst half I've ever seen him throw was the second half of that Bengals game. And that includes the Bears game. The Bears game, there was a lot of pressure on him. There was, a, the receivers weren't getting open the way they should. A couple drops there. In the Bengals game, he was just making some of the worst throws I've ever seen come from him. Period. And that was this year against a really bad Bengals team. Yeah, I mean, all those things are absolutely what we saw and what happened. And the, the true competitor will show up uh, here in a couple months when, you know, camp opens and, you know, we get back to playing some football. So just based on, again, some of the comments that a number of his teammates are making, uh, this should be a guy who is now a seasoned veteran uh, starting his, what, fourth year, fifth year? Uh, yeah, and fourth year. Fourth, fourth year. year. So, One, two, no, 2016, 2017, 2019. Yeah. So this will be his fifth year. It'll be his fifth year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, you're t- talking pretty much now a seasoned veteran. He's been through a number of camps. He's been through a number of ups and downs. And so now you would – anticipate someone like him settling into a consistent being a consistent player game in game out uh not really highs and lows but you know that's what you get with a tom brady a guy who's just consistent drew Brees, consistent you know if they have a bad game it's more of an aberration not something that's consistently happening Mm -hmm. uh so that's where i see Jarrett. he's now at that time and i think Based on, again, what everybody's saying about him that are in the locker room and at practice with him, uh, this should be a good breakout year for him. All right, so moving on. We do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. If you want to learn more about Rams history with a bit of that personal touch that can only come from a book like this, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams, the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team play for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. That includes Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available both at hardback and the trunk form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and now, of course, in paperback as well. Check it out, folks. Hollis team, grit, glamour, and the 19th Los Angeles Rams is worth your time and for a great cause being Homeboy Industries. Okay, so moving on to something a little bit different here. We've had a discussion here about uniforms for a while. 
And it's something that I'm pretty hardcore on. I'm a historian at heart. I'm a history teacher. I've been writing and covering and producing uh, different works out there, looking at Ram's history for years. And so you can imagine, Mike, I'm pretty passionate about the Rams uniforms. I'm pretty passionate about the colors. I'm pretty passionate about everything. And of all the times, finally, I mean, I've never had any interactions with Kevin DeMoff before, but this week I did yeah, on Twitter. I so. And, I mean, I hope I was respectful to him. I mean, I was trying to be. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful at all. I understand the position he's in. Um. You could tell me if you felt that my the way I handled things was disrespectful. It was never meant to be in any way disrespectful. I have respect for the job he has to do over there. Leading a team in Los Angeles is never easy. Trying to find your place in a town that already has the Dodgers rooted here, the Lakers, the Angels even, and, and out there in Anaheim and the Clippers, all those teams are already there. The two colleges are there, USC and UCLA. You really have to work to earn your place. That can't be easy. But I did make it known to him how I felt about the the the, the, the uniform situation. Because his response to another fan previously was basically along the lines of, we, we've been told... The 75, by about 75% of the fans, that it's, you know, the royal blue and, and yellow. That's that's the favored look. But yet his response back was, to that fan, was he's looking at the future. The goal of redesign is to take those memories of those previous years and modernize for the next generation. It didn't give me a good feeling about where he's looking here <laughs> at all. I mean, because as far as I'm concerned, the Rams, they're sitting on a gold mine with those uniforms. They are, in my opinion, sitting on a gold mine. That royal blue pops. It pops. Put with that, that yellow, that orange, orange yellow. And I know it. To some people, it looks kind of corny. I get it. And maybe it did for a while. But on the field, it pops. Nobody else in the league wears that royal blue anymore. No one does. And with the horns all combined, I just, uh, I got to say that the Rams are sitting on gold mine with their colors. Well, before I pass this over to you, I'm, I replied back to him. And I made the argument that I made on here before that the Rams don't really need to change all that much. Their uniform, in my view, is a legacy uniform. The Packers, the Bears, the Steelers all have these uniforms that you just don't change. You don't need to change them. And I said, quote, it's not the uniform. It's the story it tells, the legacy it brings forward. You don't need to impress the new generations of LA fan, Rams fans with some type of modernization. And I continued, you've got gold, no pun intended, on your hands now. The current throwbacks throwbacks evoke everything most of us love about this team. Those are the colors most recognized from L.A., and that's close to the uniforms the team won Super Bowl with in St. Louis, and then I said best wishes. And uh, 
His argument back is basically, well, our team has changed uniforms multiple times, so so your argument doesn't hold water. Pretty much is what he's telling me. He says, quote, but our history is full of different looks and colors and great teams that, that played in all those different uniforms. Mike. <laughs> I mean, I ha- one, props to Kevin Demoff. Props. For, for interacting with the fans in such a way over this. He's been a bit of a troll about it, got to be honest. He's been having his fun with it, and sometimes it seems almost like, you know, he's really enjoying messing with people's emotions on it. But on the other side of it, he doesn't have to do it at all. He's not the team's spokesman. He is way up with a job due. But the way his views sound on it, it makes it pretty clear to me that the current look's going away. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. Maybe he's purposely deflecting. Maybe... But it just seems as though he's completely going away from the gold mine. What do you think overall? You've read all the tweets and you've seen my argument as well. And I want your views, really, because you were a fan before you even played for the Rams. And you played for the Rams in that uniform. And then you got got to go back and be a fan again. And before you go, just one thing I want to clarify. I'm not saying the uniform should not be modernized at all. What I'm saying is the basic of what they got is gold. The royal blue, the yellow, the horns on the shoulders of the helmet. You've already got the gold. There isn't much more you need to do from there. Okay, I'm shutting up now. What are your thoughts? <laughs> My thoughts, you know, full disclosure, played in those uniforms. So obviously I'm going to choose those uniforms. Uh, felt like we had some great, great times and very successful years, uh, even though we were a little bit short, uh, especially 89. But having said that, uh, I can see where, you know, Mr. Uh, Kevin Demoff is, is kind of, as you would say, tinkering, toying with the fans because obviously – they have a lot going on when we, when they they want to break it out uh, in regards to everyone seeing it once they reveal it, not anytime sooner. But when uh, you know on the tweet uh, they ha- have a number of different uniforms, and they asked Mister Demoff to you know pick the one he thought, uh, and you just look at all of them together. In that royal blue and gold still, in my opinion, looks the best out of all of them. And possibly to me, again, maybe that uniform uh, in in St. Louis, you know, that looks kind of kind of cool, too, to me. But, yeah, I, it's it'll be interesting because, you know, sometimes the more you try to change something, the less effective it really is long term. As opposed to, as you're saying, when you have, as you noted, a legacy type of uniform, that's who you are. And so you don't need to become something different. No, let's stick with who we are and let's go with it because it's going to be accepted throughout. The dilemma is 
why would you want to go into your stadium and now you have 20 different people who have uniforms that they bought at different times? You know, you got a hodgepodge of stuff that's going on as opposed to maybe knowing if you got 75% of the fans already saying, hey, let's go with that one. That's going to signal to me, well, they probably have those uniforms. Now, if you're trying to sell more merchandise, yeah, you're going to change it up. So they got to get the new ones. But again, what is it you want? What do you want out of it? Are you trying to get money off the merchandising sales? Or do you want fans to be in your stadium where I would assume you're getting more money with the licensing based on season tickets and having packed stadiums week in and week out? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they eventually come up with. But when you look at all the comments and different things, that tells me there are a lot of legacy fans here in the Los Angeles area who are wanting to support something that they know. So you also take a risk when you try to bring in all these new things that that could backfire on you as well. I don't think they don't have to change either. I just think there are certain things you just need to leave alone. The Royal Blue, you should leave it alone. But they're not going. I think they're going to Navy Blue or to a, a darker blue than the Royal Blue. They shouldn't mess with the horns. Leave the horns alone. Leave them on the sleeves, leave them on the helmet. If you want to add a few things, if you want to tinker with the lettering, all those things, that's fine. Tinker with those things. But in the end, make sure that you still stay true to what the Rams are. Stay true to, to where they've been over the course of their history. Yes, you've had some uniform changes, but that scheme is something that they always come back to. And it's always the one the fans come back to. Man, I I totally agree with you on that, uh, Derek, in regards to, you know, again, they they as an organization have to decide, are we going to be fan friendly going down the stretch or are we going to make whatever changes they feel or deem necessary uh, for their marketing purposes and things like that? But. I also think that, you know, if you're going to open things up to get fan input, then you have to be able to and be willing to take that input and put it to work for you so that, you know, the relationship between the two, you know, matches up for the long term success for for everyone involved. So, yeah, I just I just think that uh, you can't beat, you know, sometimes what scenes that may need to have changed or old, you can't beat what, what's already been working. Especially since the colors they just came off of weren't really working by the time they got to L.A. Right. Say what you want about them in, in, in St. Louis, and a lot of us didn't like them in St. Louis. But in L.A., they definitely weren't working. And another thing, too, that I, I just point out, you go to a, a royal blue with the yellow, for example, now you're copycatting Michigan. Now you're copycatting Cal, West Virginia. I don't right. want my team looking like a college team. I don't want them looking like that. I want them looking like a freaking pro team. And flip that around in terms of colors. Navy blue is a, is a color that's used throughout the NFL. A lot of teams use a navy blue. Nobody is using royal blue anymore except the right. Rams. And that makes you stand out. And it's a, it's a pretty color. I'm, gonna, I'm not talking about pretty like, you know, <laughs> 
like makeup and makeup and dresses here. I'm talking like it pops. It right. is something beautiful to watch in the field when you that's when your team comes out. That's your team. I just here's what it is, Mike. And tell me if I'm just being too sentimental here because normally I'm fairly controlled on this stuff. Yeah, make a plane. You ask for feedback from the fans. 75% right. of the fans tell you they want the royal blue and yellow. And right. then you go so out it's there. It's not 25. It's yeah, 75. 75. Yeah. And then you go out there and basically say in your response, but we're looking for the future. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that. Respectfully, I just don't agree because A, you're telling the fans, I heard you, but I don't care what you think. B, you're saying these young fans aren't going to like the colors either. Now, I'm taking some liberties in my interpretation of what he said. He didn't say he wasn't going to use royal blue or yellow, by the way, but it sure as heck sounds like it. If I'm I'm reading the same thing you are. I'm sure, just judging from what you're saying, you're reading the same way I am. Right. Most of these fans right now, their parents, most of these young fans, the next generation, whose parents, wh- what team are they cheering for? Right. The Rams, right? And 75% of those fans want the royal blue and yellow. I mean, you're about to tick off some of those fans if you get this wrong. I just want to point that out. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you're on to it. I mean, in the sense in re- that, as you noted, if, if you're going to get input, the reason why you get input is to help make a more sound decision. More sound decision meaning what's going to help long term. You know, if I'm a parent, I have the royal blue and yellow. And the rest of my family doesn't. Well, you guys got to catch up and go get those unis, you know, or again, do they think that they can take and roll the dice and go, well, let's just come up with something new and everybody has to go new. I don't know, but I don't know that you need to roll the dice in this sense, because the old saying, you know, if, if it's not broken, why fix it? You know, so. I just think that uh, this may be kind of one of those things that just to get some discussion going, I'm pretty sure they probably have already what they're going to do. Oh, yeah, they know already. And I think part of that might be why he's a little defensive about it. If this, I mean, if these, if these uniforms flop, this is not going to go over well. I don't, you know, 32 different fan bases in the league and many of these fan bases are married to their colors. Our fan base is married to these colors too, A. And B, it's a huge part of their identity with following this team. One of the major reasons the the Rams even went back to throwback colors when they came back here was because of the fans, right? if, If those colors weren't loved, they never would have went back to them. They just would have kept the uniforms they had. You're, these are fans who stuck with this team for 25 years while they're gone. 20 years, 22 years. Right. With those colors. I think it's dangerous. Right. I think it's really dangerous. And 
these uniforms had better be off the chain, beautiful things. And if they are great, great, then he's, you know, he's in that position for a reason. He's a very intelligent man. He's been successful for a long time. But the Rangers have also made some mistakes along the line, too. I hope I'm wrong. Let's just say that. I hope that I'm wrong. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it would just be, I guess I'm looking at, you know, why bring anything, I guess, of a negative sentiment when, you know, you want things to be positive. Again, going into a new season, new stadium, got new coaches. We just want to have a good new feel about things. You know, you don't want to have your own fans out there booing you as soon as you, you know, come to your own stadium because you got some some new, well, whatever the uniform may or may not look like just because, you know. Now, maybe you keep the old and bring in the new. Maybe you do that. You know, that would seem like it would work as well. So that way, uh, you know, kind of like Oregon, you have five or six, seven, eight jerseys or whatever. And then you decide, hey, we'll just win this one. And then over time, maybe you just phase out the one that's not really working. So, I mean, they may just keep those throwbacks as throwbacks. And that might make a lot of fans happy. But also, this is Nike making these designs and... We saw what Nike did to the Browns uniforms. Horrible. What they did to the Buccaneers uniforms. Really horrible. The Browns, when they're wearing their all Browns, they're like turds (laughs) running the field, dude. I mean, they're just just running turds. The Buccaneers jerseys, their uniforms, they've done it twice. They've tried fixing it twice. They haven't fixed it. Well, you know, that's what, what, what you're talking about is you have. A Nike, you know, they're doing it from a Nike. This this will go sweet. This will be sweet for the Nike brand, not so much the team brand, though everything is supposed to be in collaboration. It's just interesting how these different unis end up looking at the end of the day as though, well, then you guys talk to the franchise about that. Did they actually okay that? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see how or what Nike comes up with, you know. But sometimes when you're the, the big person on the heel, this being a, the Nike heel, if you will, you know, you kind of just do something and, and figure everyone just accepts it. I mean, I don't see Rams fans doing that. They're not going to accept it. Would you? If they're bad, are you going to accept it? <laughs> That's what I mean. I don't know why... You may even roll the dice on that. Again, I would think that you may have two of them so that if the one doesn't work, you just go back and stick with what actually was working. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I just like the fact that uh, Mr. Dimoff was actually responding to you guys. Yeah, I mean, again, much respect to him. I just don't agree. I I think that when you have somebody in the organization who's willing to sit there and take the heat, too. I mean, I... I was disagreeing with him publicly, and he was disagreeing back. And we were both polite to each other. We were respectful to each other. And, I mean, I felt like he was a little dismissive of what I was saying. But, you know, if they've already made the call, they're going in a certain way, I would expect them to be a little dismissive because the decision is made, you know. I appreciate the fact that he was willing to get on social media and have that conversation. And he has been the entire time. 
a little bit too much of late. <laughs> People are tired of it. <laughs> they just wanted to put those uniforms out there. But, you know, maybe maybe it's all about the blue being a shade darker to help match the cut in the helmet. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sure will. Okay. One more thing before we go. The, it's been floating around that the Rams are engaged with the Lions to get Darius Slay, who's due about $13 million this year. And uh, I'm not sure how you feel about that. I think, I don't know how it's, I, I don't, I don't know how they can pull that off, honestly, but what were your thoughts on Darius Slay being alongside good old Jalen Ramsey out there? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about then having, you know, two bookend corners that both can play relatively young a lot of years ahead but again this is gonna something like that came down to it i i know that you know he was a a big proponent or not a proponent but he he was very outspoken against the trade they made last year with one of their you know more uh favorite players and was just voted team captain and, and they were least and he kind of came out. And so this looks like it may be a little retribution of, you know, Matt Patricia trying to get a little more control of his locker room, so on and so forth. But for us, I think it would be great if you can get it. But again, we've already been talking about the salary cap numbers and what our need is, you know, uh, I don't know that that's top, top priority for what we need. So, but if they could somehow pull it off, you know, I'm sure it would have to involve some draft picks or something like that. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? They have to set some players back, too. That's $13 million for his salary. At 29 years old, I would I would be much more inclined to try and move players than I would be trying to move draft picks. He's 29. I don't think you're going to try and resign him for their year when you're going to Jalen Ramsey to try and keep. I don't see how it works. I don't believe the story, in other words. I don't. I don't see how it's possible. Maybe I'm being, shall I say, close-minded on their ability to move money around, but you've got two edge rushers that are going, and you need to find a way to fill that gap. You have an offensive line that has question marks. You need some run stoppers up front and a lot next to Aaron Donald. You have some issues going on in that roster that need to be be fixed to go out there now and, and get a $13 million cornerback. When Troy Hill, by the way, did just fine opposite him for much of the year, I I don't know that this is a wise idea. I don't know that... I mean, we don't want... We want stars, right? Right. But it would, I don't see how they would get him and then get him to resign. They yeah, can't afford so, this many stars. Well, you don't think so. Absolutely. So again, this is where, you know, maybe anticipating what the sour cap could be down, you know, not 2020, but you know, 2021, you know, let's say if this new deal gets signed here in the next few weeks, few months, what that may involve in regards to the sap increasing. But, again, you're talking about mortgaging certain things for the future. You know, I don't know. But as you said, you know, Mr. Hill did an outstanding job. And, again, up and coming, young guy. And so you may have all you need right here uh, on the defense as well and use that money somewhere else. But, again, it's, it's good for trade talk early offseason. 
and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Rams try to pull a trigger on it. Now, just one thought that popped up my mind, that's David Long Jr. He is a guy who went to Michigan. He would be a, a corner you expect the Rams to step up, and maybe he would be a guy they would want to put in a package to go back that way. But even so, you still have to find room on this end for a $13 million contract. I just don't see how that works. I mean, the Rams will do a lot of things. The Rams want to stockpile their their, their stars. But right. we mentioned it earlier, sooner or later, sooner or later, you got to pay the price. It's going to be this year or next year. For all we know, Jared Goff will go out there and renegotiate his deal and open up a bunch of cat space. That might happen, but you will still pay the popper. Now, do you think they would throw a girly in the deal? Lions need a running back. They do. But you're not going to save all that much by trading him, remember? I mean, it wasn't that big of a, a save. Right, but I, I'm thinking if you trade them and maybe you get some cap, cap relief that they're willing to pay, you know, let's say, you know, throw a girly in, he goes to Detroit, we get Slate, and Detroit is willing to pick up, you know, X amount on his salary, you know. Well, they would have to. I mean, actually, this is possible. If they throw Gurley in to the deal, and Detroit is long needed a running back. If they throw, if they throw him in, it has to be, to me, in my view, a post June first deal. So the cap hits on both teams will not be nearly as much, especially right. for the Rams. I mean, one year, it's already going to be what it is for the Lions, but for the Rams, the cap hit changes. It, they would have to find a way to make that happen in post-June 1st. Right. So I, you know, and this again, this is where that capologist says they're known. Uh, that's where they get their money because they're able to, you know, crunch the numbers, you know, this year, next year, four or five years from now and run a bunch of different scenarios mm-hmm. that, you know, including the draft and so on and so forth. So, uh, man, it would just be interesting to be able to sit and just see how they kind of view and do things to see what type of scenarios and options they come up with if they make a trade, if they don't make a trade. That would be neat to see. I think it would be Interesting to see. I just, if the Rams make this trade two years ago, I'm all for it. Because Slay's 27 years old. You had a couple years of control on him. One year control at age 29. He's coming off injuries last year. It's a huge risk for them when they've already taken enough risks. That's just my view. I could be wrong. Right. So, you know, this again goes back to what we talked a little bit about, you know, the offense, you know, because what what strategy are they employing for next year? Hey, guys, we're going to need to score more points because we know our defense is going to be not as stout. You know what I mean? If that's the case, then we're going to see moves to shore up the offense to make sure points are being put up, you know, sustaining drives to keep the defense uh, less on the field where they can just maybe go make a few plays here and there. So 
all this comes into play when you're talking about schematically, you know, who you're going to bring in offensively, defensively. And that's why it's important to see what they're trying to do with the draft or, or all these things, because it just depends which way you go. If you say, well, we want to shore up the defense well, you're going to make some deals to maybe get a guy like that, where you can literally have two quote unquote shut down corners well, now that takes a lot of pressure off. You can now actually put, you know, a, nine guys, quote unquote, in the box and let those two guys at least take two of the guys on offense off off the field. So you can do a lot of things if you if you have those type of corners. Um, but again, you're going to have an untested D.C., somewhat a untested, quote unquote, O offensive coordinator you know, gelling with, you know, who was the quasi-coordinator, Coach McVay. So, ultimately, uh, it's going to get interesting here in the next couple weeks. And we'll find out. I guess we'll find out what kind of deal they can, they can come up with. But you never know with Lesty. He always finds, well, things we never thought of. All <laughs> right. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's yeah. true. All right, it's time for us to hit the road. Before we do, you can find us on Twitter. The Rams talk itself at Talk Rams. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at One Duke Twenty Three. Remember, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found. And don't forget that we're also looking for sponsors for next year. You can reach out to us at Rams Hunt Nineteen Forty Five at Gmail dot com to help make that magic happen for the entire team here. This is Derek C. Paul saying, "We're out of here. We're out of here, people. Peace." Drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.